All right, getting back to our verse-by-verse study of the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 5. We took a little break over the holidays. Back at it, Matthew chapter 5, page 1116, if you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you. Love to have you read along with us. Be looking at verses 38 through 42. Father, I ask your blessing upon this time now as we give our full attention to your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding. We would clearly understand. And then I pray, Lord, that your spirit would give us passion and desire to obey what we understand. And then, Lord, I pray that your spirit would give us the power to do what you have commanded. As hard as it might be, empower us, Lord. That you might be glorified and that your kingdom will expand through our lives, right where you've placed us in this community. Bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look what Jesus says to us this morning. Verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5. He says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek Turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him how many? Two. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You know, I think those are some of the most challenging words in the Bible. Those are challenging commands for us to follow from Jesus. In verse 38, Jesus is referring to the law of retaliation. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is the lex talionis, a famous law. This is the oldest law in the history of the world. In fact, the earliest reference to this law is from the Code of Hammurabi in the second millennium B.C. This law shows up in the Old Testament law of Moses three times. Jesus is quoting from there. And the law gives us more specifics, more details. Exodus 21 says, a life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, Foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Leviticus adds, fracture for fracture, disfigurement for disfigurement. And then Deuteronomy 19 repeats. The law of retaliation. Now, that sounds a little savage, don't you think? 
It sounds a little brutal. Somebody gouges out your eyeball. Their eyeball gets gouged out. Somebody breaks your arm. Their arm gets broken in return. It sounds pretty cruel. But actually, this law was merciful. Incredibly merciful. This law was meant to limit vengeance. It was meant to provide exact retribution, equivalent injuries. Because you know how we are. If somebody hurts us, we don't want to just get even, right? We want to get one up. You knock my tooth out, I'm knocking your face off, right? You come with a a knife, I'm coming with a gun. That's human nature. Former Soviet Premier Nicholas Khrushchev once said, There's much that communists have in common with Christ, but I cannot agree with him when he says, when you're hit on the right cheek, turn the left cheek. I believe in another principle. If I'm hit on the left cheek, I hit back on the right cheek so hard that his head might fall off. I think that's how a lot of people feel. So Lex Talionis was given to curb that tendency. Exact retribution, equivalent penalties. In the Old Testament, this law was also given to prevent personal revenge, to keep people from taking laws into their own hands, to keep the common citizen from becoming a personal private vigilante. In every case in the Old Testament, this law was given to the judges of Israel, the court system of Israel. The power was given to the court system to adjudicate this law. People had problems. They brought their cases before the judges. So you couldn't take personal revenge. It took that power from the individual and gave that power to the state. The judges enforced it. And that's merciful. Put it in the hands of a state-sanctioned authority and power, taking it out of the hands of all the everyday common fights between people. And you say, but what about the penalties? It sounds gory. Well, I looked into this. Capital punishment was enforced. A life for a life. You murder someone... You paid with your own life. The eyeball for eyeball, I did do some research. Very seldom was that taken literally or carried out literally. Instead, financial damages were assessed and rewarded by the courts, just as we do in our society today, taking into account pain and suffering, loss of job, all of that. And that's what it began became eventually no doubt but all of that given into the hands of the judges and the official judicial system now I'm making a big point of that because in considering this passage you have to think about two different realms there is that state realm 
the official courts, the military, the police, the community authority, all that. And God has given power to the state, Old Testament and New Testament, to enforce justice, to exact judgment. In Romans chapter 13, government authorities are called God's minister, avengers to execute wrath on him who practices evil. The sword of judgment has been given to the state. So there's that realm to consider. But then there's another realm. Everyday common life. All of your activity, all of your interaction with other people in the day-to-day. And by the way, in everyday common life, you can meet some difficult people. Do I get an amen for that? (laughs) Tough, evil people. People that want to make your life miserable. Jesus, in this passage, is speaking of this everyday common venue. The Pharisees in the days of Jesus had moved the lex talionis, the spirit of it, out of the courtroom into everyday life. They were using that rule to justify all kinds of gross retaliation. Jesus said, ah, in everyday common life, as you're dealing with difficult people, you're one of my people, don't retaliate. Now, that's not to say that we can never have anything to do with that higher realm, that realm of authority. There are many Christians throughout church history, and even some today, who believe that this passage teaches that we should be complete and total pacifists, that we should never join the military, never join the police, never go to court, never hire a lawyer, never be a part of anything, never defend yourself in any way. I disagree with that interpretation. We have that power in play to help in life. God uses it. So we need military. We need to be willing to fight wars. What is the world supposed to do? Let Hitler do whatever he wants? There is crime. There are tough things. And we do need to make use of the defense system at time. If a burglar comes into your home, assaults you, your wife, your kids, stealing from you, what are you supposed to do? Just let them do it? Hey, do what you want. Feed him milk and cookies while he does it? No. I'll feed him milk and cookies after I've duct taped him to a chair. Waiting for the police to arrive. Amen? But in this common life, this common everyday interaction, especially with difficult people, you're to be different. And taking it to that next level should be your last course of action. So, look what Jesus says in verse 39. 
I tell you not to resist an evil person. In your everyday walk with life, as you're dealing with difficult people, and you don't, Jesus says, don't resist them. Don't actively oppose them. Don't fight them. Don't try to get one up on all those difficult, evil people in your life. Jesus would say, don't even try to get even. Be gracious. Show the world, especially those people that are difficult, what a man of God looks like, what a woman of God looks like, what a person who understands grace looks like. Now, he gives us four different examples from everyday life. And the first one is the most uh, controversial, one of the most controversial things that Jesus ever said, the slap, right? Verse 39, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, contrary to popular belief, this is not speaking primarily of physical violence. Though slap is something physical. And I do think there could be a physical aspect to this command. I think as Christians, we should not retaliate against minor physical assault. Somebody gets in your face and gives you a shove or a push. Maybe even a slap, maybe even a punch. Don't retaliate. Now, if somebody's trying to beat you up, kill you, beat up your friend, your wife, or something like that, then, oh my, you need to defend yourself. I don't think it's very loving just to let someone beat someone up, do you? But in those minor physical things, just retaliate. And really, the primary meaning here is not physical, it's insult. It's insult. In those days, the slap was the insult. It was a public humiliation. And it normally wasn't very hard just to... You slap someone in public, you were insulting them publicly. Now, it's interesting. Jesus is very careful to say that whoever slaps you on which cheek? The right cheek. Okay, so here I am. I'm standing. Most of us are right-handed. Somebody's in front of me. If I slap this person on the cheek, the natural motion's like this. Which cheek am I going to hit? Their left. How do I strike them on the right cheek? It's a backhand. Right? In those days... That was the deliberate, traditional insult. According to rabbinical law, to hit someone with the back of the hand was twice as insulting as hitting him with the flat of the hand. So this is the insult. The the primary thing here is don't trade insult for insult. Jesus is saying, if you're insulted, slough it off. Turn the other cheek. If someone cusses you out, 
Don't cuss back. Someone screams at you, shouts at you. Don't do the same. Somebody makes an obscene gesture towards you on the road. Don't respond in like kind. Someone assaults your personal little dignity. Makes you feel like a second-rate person. Criticizes your little work. Don't respond in kind. Don't retaliate. You know, Proverbs 15, verse 1, I think that's a, 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 a verse all of us as Christians should know and memorize. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, my friends, the safest thing you can do is speak softly. In this day and age where total strangers kill people on the streets in road rage incidents, best thing to do would be be quiet. Don't retaliate. Don't be that person. My brother and sister in Christ, be secure in who you are and who you are in Jesus Christ. Don't be that person who always has to, oh, they're talking to me in a mean way. I'm being criticized. Oh, you hurt my feelings. They're so mean. Don't have that attitude. You can't say that to me and get away with it. Why not? What's so special about you that you can't be criticized? even unfairly. Don't retaliate. I love how one person put it, Christian, forget what it means to be insulted. Forget. Or as Spurgeon put it, be as the anvil when bad men are the hammers. Maybe that person that's insulting you needs to see what grace is like. Maybe that person, when they see your gracious act, will come to a knowledge of their need for God and be changed. In other words, people should be way more important than your dignity. Than your feelings and the way people hurt you or criticize you. Show grace. Look at the next case, verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Now, in biblical times, people had two types of garments that they wore. Everyone had a tunic. A tunic was the inner garment, the lighter material. And most people had more tunics. They had several tunics. Even the poor had several tunics. Now, they didn't have the 1,000-square-foot walk-in closet with all of the different garments. They just had a few tunics. And then they had a cloak. And most people, especially the poor had one cloak because it was the big outer garment. 
which would also serve for the poor as their blanket at night, their bedroll at night. So the cloak was way more important than the tunic. In fact, the law of Moses said if a poor person gives you their cloak as collateral for a debt, you can take it, but you've got to get it back to them every night. Because it's their blanket, it's their bedroll. Jesus says, if someone sues you for the tunic, throw in the cloak also. So you can avoid court altogether. Or you could put it like this. If someone sues you for petty things, sweeten the deal with bigger things. To keep from going to court. Settle it outside court. Don't get involved in those long, drawn-out legal battles with people, Jesus says. Avoid that. Give things away in order to avoid it. You know, it makes me think of what Jesus said in 25, verse 25, back in our sermon. He said, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. All the counsel of the Bible is do everything you can to avoid these types of suits. Now, you know, we live in the illegal, everyone's suing each other, right? There are people who militantly go to court over the slightest infringements upon their rights. So they think. Don't be that person. And don't spend too much time with the person who's trying to do that. Just get get it taken care of. Give them the cloak. God will give you a new cloak. It'll be better than the cloak you gave away. Avoid those things. Now, again, I'm not going to say that there's ever a time where we don't need court systems. There are terrible things that can happen, accidents and all these different things, and there are times where we need to make use of it. But my brother and sister in Christ, let it be the, the last resort. Show grace. That person who's being so difficult with you, they have a soul. They matter to God. Maybe your grace will bring them to the Lord. I think the main thrust here is people are more important than possessions. My brother and sister in Christ, people should be more important than your tunic and your cloak. Think about all the fights, all the friendships, all the families, all the relationships that have been destroyed over stuff. And how quick we are. Hey, you broke my stuff. I'm going to sue you. 
That person borrowed my lawnmower, never returned it. Quick, let's call Judge Wapner. (laughs) Will you be so petty? Do people matter more? Will you be the, the, the man of God, the woman of God who shows grace? There was a woman whose husband bought her a brand new car. Just two days off the lot, she scraped the side of another vehicle in the grocery store parking lot. She was so worried about calling her husband. The police asked for her proof of insurance. She reached into the glove box, pulled out an envelope. Inside was an insurance card and also a handwritten note from her husband that said, Honey, in case of an accident, remember, it's you I love, not the car. Isn't that a great idea, guys? (laughs) I ask you, I ask you, do you love people more than cars? More than houses and boats and bikes and computers. Look at the next one, verse 41. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him how many? Two. Two. So as most of you know, in the days of Jesus, the land of Israel was under the control and jurisdiction of the Roman Empire. Rome was in charge, and they had their Roman soldiers in the land of Israel. The Jews had to pay taxes to the Romans. Romans, they hated that. And these Roman soldiers stationed everywhere could at any time, without warning, enlist you to carry one of their burdens, one of their loads. Any Roman soldier could come up to you and say, hey, you're going to help me move this. The most famous case was when, uh, during the Passion events, you remember Jesus was beaten and tortured so badly he couldn't carry his cross. You remember that detail? And there's a guy by the name of Simon of Cyrene just walking around minding his own business. The Romans said, hey, you there, you're going to carry this cross. They had that ability to do that. Now, according to the law, you only had to carry the burden One mile. That's it. One mile. And most people, when they got enlisted to do that, would do such a bad job. They're mad. They're angry. The average person would count each step. And when you reach the 5,280th step, the mile, you drop your burden, you thumbed your nose at the soldier, and you walked away. Jesus said, yeah, don't do that. Go two miles. Somebody forces you to do something, do it twice as good as other people. So when you get called to do jury duty, community service, Maybe they'll 
reinstate the draft one day. I don't know. Whenever you're compelled to do something, do it. Show the Roman soldier a man or woman of grace. That Roman soldier has a soul. Great value to God. Let them see grace. Now, I think the main thrust here. People are to be way more important than your convenience. People are to be way more important. Even when the hostiles come. Even when the troubling people in your life, they come knocking on your door all the time. All the phone calls, all the... They interrupt your day. Be gracious. Let people interrupt your schedule. Let people interrupt your Netflix time. Let people interrupt your recreational time. Your free time. Be gracious towards people. Years ago, there was a public library that had a system called Dial a Tale. Anytime a young kid wanted to hear a fairy tale, he could dial that number, and a voice came on reading the short fairy tale. Well, that phone number was only one digit different from a phone number that belonged to Pastor Tom Erickson. And because the small fingers often made mistakes, Tom would get frequent calls from a little kid wanting to listen to a fairy tale. After several unsuccessful attempts to explain a wrong number to a small child, he got himself a a copy of The Three Little Pigs, kept it right there by the phone, and when those kids would call, he'd do The Three Little Pigs, and then he would also tell them about how Jesus loves them and share the gospel. And I think that's such a beautiful story person who's willing to yield personal rights. He didn't, as you might have thought, change his telephone number to avoid the invasion of his privacy. He used it. You know, interruptions to your day, I have found this to be true. It's, I mean, and it is. It does get annoying, right? It, you got your thing happening, but if you, if you go with an interruption, I have found that God many times turns those into opportunities to share Christ with someone. Many times. People should be more important than your schedule. Verse 42 Jesus says, give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, this I think this is the biggest gut punch punch in the whole thing. This hits your what? Your wallet and your bank account. Jesus said, give to people who ask for help. Don't turn away people who want to borrow. Brother and sister in Christ, we should go above and beyond in our willingness to help others financially. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we just hand out money 
without any discernment whatsoever. There are scam artists. There are. And you should be careful in what you're giving out. Do you know that there's every month there's a person that visits our website, finds out that I'm the pastor, sets up an email in my name that's not my email, and pretends to be Pastor Terry, and emails other email addresses that are associated with me that they find on our website. Hey, I'm Pastor Terry. I need help. Please send money. I would never do that, okay? That's a scam. Man, that's such a clever thing for people to do. Why don't they put all that thinking into a job? (laughs) There are scam artists, and you can't just give money out indiscriminately. But we should be very generous. What about the people on the side of the road with the signs? The person in the gas station parking lot? Well, I don't know. How do you read this? How do you read it? I think we should be generous. I don't think that always means giving money. and give a bottle of water or something. Someone said, better to help a score of fraudulent beggars than to risk turning away one man in real need. Wow. That was so convicting to me. You know, I'll admit to you, I'm kind of the skeptical one on this. I have a hard time. I, I, but my wife balances me out. She is so loving and so compassionate. And together, we're, she, she, she makes me better in that regard. But, you know, we talk about scamsters or, or strangers. Really, what about all the people in your life that you know? They need help. Do you see them? What about that person that, oh man, maybe they've bugged you a lot. They've bugged you a lot, man. But what about being gracious? In other words, In your life as a Christian, people should be way, way more important than your money. Be generous with them. This is a convicting passage, don't you think? We are called to be people of grace. Don't retaliate back when you're insulted, don't try to wreck someone legally. Be gracious to those who inconvenience you. Be gracious to those who are in need. In other words, Jesus would say to all of us, you be that person that shows grace. Live supernaturally. Live spectacularly. Show that grace. And why? Because God has been gracious to us. Has he not? Our God has been so gracious. Christ died for you when you were an insulter of him. When you lived your life in such a way that thumbed your nose at Christ. Jesus died for you while you were a sinner. 
Christ made it possible for you not to be judged for your sin in the courtroom of heaven. Christ was greatly inconvenienced for your salvation. Christ poured out his abundant riches upon you when you were a beggar. He's been gracious to you. Be gracious to others. Whenever you have an opportunity to put the grace of God on display in some of these very difficult situations, do it. You say it's so hard. It is hard. This is incredibly hard. This goes against all of our nature. Remember that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. Remember that you have the power of Christ within you. And it says of Christ in 1 Peter chapter 2, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But listen, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now that's a good thing to think of. You're a Christian. You belong to God. In all these things where we're treated unfairly, man, you show grace and commit your case to the one who judges righteously. He's going to cover you. Romans chapter 12. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Think about that. Think through those things. Let's ask God for help in doing this. Would you close with me in a word of prayer? Father, I Lord, what you call us to is beyond our ability. It is so far beyond our our natural sinful order. So I pray that you would help us Help us, Lord. Empower us. Lord, I pray that you would give us great discernment as we navigate all these issues in life. Help us find that balance between, you know, not allowing ourselves to be doormats, and yet at the same time being men and women of grace. Help us find that balance. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Without your grace, we're nothing. We have no chance, no hope. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and rising again and making it possible for us to be forgiven and to become new people and to be filled with your spirit and have supernatural ability to live a life that pleases you. Thank you for that. 
If you're here this morning and you've not yet received Christ, maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You've never understood the amount of grace that he's poured out upon your life. Think of what he did for you. The Bible says that you must repent. You must admit to God that you're a sinner. Bow before him. Admit it. Acknowledge that he came and he, he died on the cross for your sin. He paid the penalty for you. Though he didn't deserve it, he paid what you deserve. And he rose again that third day. And he's alive and he will be your savior. You must put your faith and trust in him. If that's you, if you've never done that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Just an expression, a cry from your heart. Lord Jesus, cry out. If this is you, cry out. Lord Jesus, be my savior. Wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I admit, I desperately need you. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Replace hatred and bitterness with mercy and love and grace. Change me. Save me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen.